Triple Play Fantasy's basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. We welcome in a man with an impressive resume. This guard scored 646 career points and had 215 assists over his NBA career with three organizations. There must be something about that number as he was a three-point specialist as well. Over his 15-year playing career, he played in the Spanish, Italian, Greek, Russian, and many other leagues, so the man must be fluent in many languages. A family man, as he's proudly posting his kids' accomplishments on Instagram, showing the hashtag Bremer blood. However, he has no dad bod as he is a certified personal trainer. This man has made a full circle in life as he is the current head coach at his alma mater, Cleveland Heights. We welcome in J.R. Bremer. What is going on, my man? What's going on? What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, man. You know, better that that you're joining me tonight. How's everything been with this season? Uh, it's, it's going good. Appreciate you having me, first off. Um, the season just got started probably about a week ago. We had tryouts and had our first practice last Saturday, and we had a scrimmage this past Saturday. So we're we're a weekend. Everything's going well. All right. All right. And, and uh, we're going to go undefeated this season, right? No, that's the goal, but that's probably not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to be realistic about it. I don't even think I want to go undefeated. I want them to feel that pain of losing so they can come out harder the next time and for the rest of the season. Okay, I like it. Got to keep everything in perspective. And, Jay, we're going to talk about your coaching career later, but I want to start with the early years. Now, you started your hooping career at Cleveland Heights, and it wasn't always destined, as your middle school coach said, you wouldn't make the varsity team. Now, not only did you prove him wrong – you hit the cut. You hit a couple big free throws to win states. Got to feel pretty good proving that person wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, it feel real good. You know, coming in in middle school, I was small, probably five, 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 six, ninety pounds when I when I left. So uh, nobody really, really believed in me. So that made me just work that much harder, just to prove everybody wrong and to prove to myself that I could do it if I really wanted to do it. And then being on freshman, my freshman year, but being on um, varsity a little bit in my sophomore year and hitting those free throws my junior year was something that I'm uh, I really, I'm really proud of. You know, I feel a little bit better. I'm 5'5", five, five, so I've gotten that I'm <laughs> short the entire life, my thing, but I'm not 90 pounds. But <laughs> your junior year, I mean, you got some looks, and after you won the state championship, St. Bonaventure's offered you a scholarship, and you committed and balled out your senior year, averaging 26 points per game, and even though more schools started reaching out, you're a loyal guy and kept your commitment to the Bonnies. So I really love that. I, I feel like loyalty isn't something that's always shown. A lot of people view basketball as a business, and it is. But I think when you have instances like that, I think it shows a lot about someone's character. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm really big on loyalty, and, and, and that was was huge for me to be able to get that that scholarship offer. I only had a few coming out coming after my junior year, and St. Bonaventure, them being an Atlantic team, playing some of the best teams in the country, it was a it was a no brainer. I thought I went for the visit, and then, like you said, I had a, a very very good senior year when I was uh, coach let me be free, and I ended up being the man and played my role. My junior year, we won states, but then I was the man the senior year, so I was able to score more and show more of my my game than than most teams knew that I had. But at that point, whatever offers came in, I really wasn't paying any attention to it because. St. Bonaventure saw it without me actually doing it. Yeah, and I mean, it's like you contributed a lot to recycling because I'm sure you just put those papers in the recycling, not even looking at them. <laughs> nah, 
I definitely looked at him. I was excited about him, but in the in the bigger scheme of things, there was there was, there was no way I was going to go back on on St. Bonaventure okay. and that coach there. Yeah, and I want to talk about your career at St. Bonnie's because it could be told in two halves. Your freshman and sophomore year, you averaged nine points, two assists, and three rebounds, playing about twenty six minutes per game, and only starting seven games. However, your junior and season, junior and senior year, you really took off. You started all sixty games, averaging sixteen, and then twenty four point six points per game. Your final season, you averaged a career high in rebounds, steals, and shot percentage. So what changed between those two years? Was it the classic, the upperclassmen get more playing time, or did you really work on your craft between the sophomore, junior, senior, or I think sophomore, was, junior seasons? Yeah. I think it was a little bit of both and then a little bit of luck at the same time. Because, you know, usually coming in as a freshman in the college, most, most freshmen don't get to really play any significant minutes. And I was fortunate enough to, to be able to play some, some significant time with our point guard having some um some issues off the court so I, I was able to step in and and play early and, and and get accustomed to the college basketball early so i think that was a, that was a blessing but just continuing to work every year I, I i improved my my points and my assists from freshman to senior year and and that's the coaches pushing me and my teammates pushing me and, and me pushing myself to try to be the best version of myself and um, uh, my coach, coach Barron, he's, he's a New York guy and he was big on point guard. So he taught me, he taught me a lot, how to, how to get the, get the team going and get myself going as well. And then he ended up leaving my junior year and coach Van Bredekov came in from Pepperdine my senior year. And he was, he was a, a defensive coach, but he let, let you have all the freedom that you wanted to have on the offensive end, as long as you played D and that was right up my alley. And the guys, they used to just set so many screens and get me open. I ended up averaging 24 points a game. I mean, it works. Shooters shoot, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> and look, it paid off. And in 2002, you attended the NBA Chicago pre-draft combine and tested as the number one tested athlete, which I, I, I had to like read that over a couple of times. Is, mm-hmm. they just, is that just like the, they're doing the measurables, testing your vertical? Yeah, I mean that's that's everything. They test your vertical, you, your speed, your shuttle run, your lifting, uh, a little a little bit of everything mixed in, and they calculate it all. And I ended up being the number one. My trainer, um, Tim Robertson, Eric Lichter down at Speed Strength, they they really got me right. It was ironic that then they Hilario, he was training with me at the same time, and when the results came out, I was number one and he was number two. So it was. Oh, it let's was go. We all came from the same trainer. Let's go. Hey, props to the trainer. Maybe that's what right. got you into it, right? Right, for sure, for sure. They definitely got me prepared. So although you went undrafted, you signed as a free agent with the Celtics and had quite the impact on them. You started 41 games for the Seas, averaging 8.3 points per game, 2.6 assists, and two rebounds. You helped them get into the playoffs and earned NBA all-second rookie team, and you hit a game winner over the Wizards, which I remember <laughs> watching. So, yeah, yeah. You know, if you want to know how I first knew about you, it's because you killed us that game with 20 points. Yeah, that was that game was was crazy. We're just leading up to that to that. I mean, I went to so many different workouts and at that time scoring 24, 25 points per game at the point guard wasn't really something that the NBA was looking for. It was more of a mm-hmm. classic, classic point guard style pass first, defend Jason Kidd, Gary Payton, Sam Cassell, those. Those those type of type of guys now in the league. If I was coming out of college now, I think I probably would have been first round, possibly a lottery with with those numbers. But back then, it was they weren't really looking for that. So I had to go through the grind, continue to work, 
thought I was going to get drafted, but I, but I didn't get drafted. So I went to a couple of summer camps and a couple of summer leagues. And Boston is one of the teams that I never worked out for. I never had any contact. And I just it was just a stop by there for a couple of games before I headed to Toronto. And the, I played um, a couple of summer league games. And the day that I was supposed to leave to, to go to Toronto, they called me and, and offered me a offered me a contract. So that was that was that was beautiful. And then it was so real playing against Michael that game that I hit the that I hit the three to win it. That, that was against Jordan, and they were trying to make the playoffs, and that three really hurt them. And coach had just told me that I was losing my not losing my starting spot, but he was big on playing veterans, and the playoffs was about to start. So I had moved to the six man position. So I don't know if I was angry inside and and played that well or what it was, but it was a great feeling. Was it that game where they said, all right, you're going to try and stop MJ. He calls for ISO, hits a turnaround fadeaway on you. They go back to him next play, hits another one, and you get yanked. Was that the same yeah. game? No, that, that, that's not the same game. This was the first time that we that we, that we we played the Wizards. This was when I wasn't getting any any playing time, and Michael was 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 doing what he does, and coach called me in. I, had, I, I didn't even think I was going to play that game. At that time, I wasn't getting any, any, any minutes, and he just called me out of the blue and told me I was guarding Mike so I didn't <laughs> I really didn't know how to feel like I said before it's just am I should I be in awe that I'm guarding him or should I try to really lock him down because I'm trying to earn me some minutes but either way he, he hit two fadeaways on me and sent me right back to the bench it's all right you got the game winner the next time I, yeah, and I, I that's I that. there you go there you go not many people can say they got their redemption <laughs> what I think is interesting is you got traded to the Cavaliers the following season and you mentioned that this was a dream come true and not that just you got to the NBA, but you're able to play in front of your hometown. And general manager Jim Paxson was a big fan of your saying, quote, he's a guy who can really shoot the ball from the perimeter and showed as a rookie he was able to contribute on a playoff team. But you made such an impact with the Celtics your first year. Did they say why they traded you? I can't hear you. So what I was saying is you got traded to the Cavaliers. Can you hear me okay or nah? JR, can you hear me okay? Can you hear me okay? Nope, I can't hear anything. Can you hear me? I can't hear anything. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me better? Yeah, I hear you now. Okay, perfect, perfect. 
So what I was asking is Cleveland manager Jim Paxson was a big fan of your saying, quote, he's a guy who can really shoot the ball from the perimeter and showed as a rookie he was able to contribute on a playoff team. But did the Celtics ever say why they traded you? They 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 didn't. I know um, with a new management that came in toward the end of my year and they, they wanted to make some changes. We made it to the second round of the playoffs and they didn't feel that was good enough. So they wanted to try to make some changes to to help put the team in a better position to go forward. And and uh, me getting traded was one was one of the things that they thought would would help the guys that they brought in would, would help that uh, Celtics team get further than that second round. That's, all, that's pretty much all I got. But I didn't I didn't know I got traded until someone from here called me and told me that I was coming home. It's kind of unprofessional, but I'm a believer that things happen for a reason. And so you get you go back home to the Cavs. It's a dream come true. First game with the Cavs. Everybody knows LeBron debut. You guys go to Sacramento. You drop 20 off the bench. We're not going to leave that out. Mm-hmm. But home openers, fourth game of the season against the Nuggets. What were you feeling during that game? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Just so, just butterflies going all through my stomach. Just to be home uh, again, playing in front of in front of family and friends. Except I'm playing on the highest level possible. It was just, um, it was, it was kind of surreal. But um, once, once, once I ran onto the court, all that, all those things went out my mind, and I had to just focus on basketball. I couldn't really hear anybody in the stands. You get all the twenty thousand fans screaming. You couldn't really hear them. You just had to lock in. Okay, no, I like it, and. I mean, it, it, like you said, it's kind of like a, a full rewind, like playing in front of your hometown team. And I think a lot of the pressure is on LeBron, but it, there, there's that underlying narrative as well in that storyline. Yeah, yeah. So, you always get the he's from he's from Cleveland too. I always get the little two. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, you were there first. You were there first. Okay, <laughs> right, right. That's for sure. So you played 31 games with the Cavs before being selected by the Bobcats in the expansion draft, and before you even played with the club. So. I know you didn't actually play a game with the Bobcats, but mm-hmm. what was the process like? Because I know during that expansion time, each team can protect eight players on their roster. Mm-hmm. So do teams let you know, like, hey, you might be chosen, or is it is it a surprise? It's it's a surprise. You're you're watching it like you're watching the 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 draft when uh, when I was coming out of college. It's just you're looking to see if you're going to be one of those guys that that they draft, and you prepare yourself to to leave the team that you're on, knowing in the back of your head that. It's a, it's a high chance that you not a high chance, but it's a possibility that you could be gone. So you don't really know what to think. You don't really know if you're protected or not. They didn't. I mean, maybe I didn't know because I wasn't. They didn't tell me, so I don't know how that worked. So once I once I saw my name get get called out, I just was ready to head to the Bobcats. How come you didn't want to play with them? I mean, I definitely I I, I did want to play. I, mean, I I don't think I'm. I didn't have the. The, the talent or the, the accolades to say who I do or who I don't want to play for. I just want to play basketball, but uh, they had to draft. And I guess you just had to draft a certain amount of players, but they had other guys on their mind. So they went in a uh, different direction. It's a pretty crazy concept because we haven't had any teams expanded since then. So to think like they're going to, you know, each team is protecting eight players, essentially right. half their roster, and you can pick from certain guys. is right. kind of a wild concept. So before we transition to your post NBA career, do you know your career high? Where in the NBA? NBA. Um, I would have to say that it was either on the road versus Golden State. I don't know the number, or at home where we had the smoke bomb, and I ended up not having as much as I I could have had. I'm not I'm not sure though. I don't remember. 
So from my research, you dropped 25 on March 7th, 2003 against the Clippers. Clippers, yep. That was at that was at home and it was crazy. I was shooting the lights out. I was on fire and then somebody threw a smoke bomb and we had to sit for about 20 minutes to that cleared out and I think I cooled off so I could have had more than that, but that's that Man. was the one I was thinking of. The Clippers are at Golden State. Man, that's crazy. It must have yeah. been a Clippers fan that threw that smoke bomb. I didn't know that story. I was a Celtics fan. Yeah, we all had the towels over our mouths and, and everything and talking and laughing why why it cleared out, but they it definitely cooled me down. Oh man, that's that's crazy because you could have dropped 30 in that game I had that not happened. Definitely could have had 30 that game. I, but we're maybe we're even pushing 40, right? Uh 40 might have might be really like you said, pushing it, but for sure I could have had 30. All right, all right. Well, I love the the keeping it in perspective. So after your time in the NBA, you chose to have a great overseas career with many different stops. And I know that you were one of the highest paid point guards in Europe in 2008, but money aside, was there any reason that you chose not to come back to the NBA after? I mean, I think once once you leave and make that transition to Europe, you're, you're like out of sight, out of mind. And um, I had a, a very good offer to go over there that first year. And as a young kid, I don't, I didn't really look at the long-term effects. You know, if I if I did it over again, I probably wouldn't have went over to Europe so so fast because I was just thinking about the then and the now, but not really thinking about the future. And then I had plans on coming back to the to the NBA that after that year, uh, and, and after yeah, I went after that year, I went to Italy. In the middle of that season, I had plans on coming back. I ended up breaking my foot. And there after and then once I broke my foot and rehabbed, came back again, back to Italy, broke it again, probably a week later. So uh those not dreams, but the 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 thought that I had going on at that time changed from what I could do to what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean look, you had a fifteen year career, so I, I think as long as you're playing basketball in some capacity and you're keeping that dream alive, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Going to the other side of the ball now. I mean, you're coaching now at your alma mater, Cleveland Heights, and I know you're a believer things happen for a reason, and it certainly seems circumstantial because in May 2019, the same week you were inducted into the Hall of Fame, former coach John Capaletti? Mm-hmm, Jim. Uh, I am one for one on pronunciation yep. today. Yep. Passed away. Athletic Joe Di- uh, Diamato knew you were the number one candidate in his eyes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it's destined for that. But now that you're a coach, what is the biggest lesson you've learned from being on that other side? I can see why my coaches got so frustrated sometimes in like practices and in games and 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 uh, things that they see in players and the, the work ethic or the, the lack of focus and, and things of that nature. Like you, when you're playing, you don't really realize what's going on on the coach's side as far as scouting and and plays and, and, and getting guys to do this and getting guys to do that. You're just worried about yourself and you're just playing. But now that I'm a coach, I can understand the, the frustrations and how, how the coaches go off on the referees or they'll go off on their, on their players and all that stuff. So I got to, I look at it. I look at all my coaches differently now. And if I, whenever I see them, I do apologize. Like coach, I, I, never <laughs> I, I apologize. I, I get it now. Have you gotten a technical as a coach? I have got a technical. Oh yes, I, I have, love it. That's have, intensity. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a calm, mild mannered person. And but once once thing once the game gets going and your energy starts flowing, I'm all I'm all over the place screaming at the refs and screaming at every everybody else. I love it. I love yeah. that intensity. Do you make your players run sprints all the time? Oh, all, all the, oh. the time. So they so they got to be in the most 
best or the best conditioned team, right? Yeah, well, they they definitely they definitely if not the best, they're definitely one of the best because it's just I being a player, you you actually know what they're doing, when they're going hard, when they're not, when they're trying to get over. So it's it's a gift and a curse because I can read them and I know exactly what's happening. And if I wasn't a player before, I might miss some of those things. So I think it's good that I can see it sometimes, but sometimes it's bad because I'm I'm, I'm a little bit too hard on them. But it's, they know it's all love at the end. Yeah, and I love when former players coach because you've been on that other side where you're mm-hmm. like, like you said, I, I can read your energy. Are you going hard? Are you not? Right. And and, and for you to say like, hey, I'm a five five, you know, ninety pound guy in middle school to go on draft and to make it the NBA, like that's you know the game, you know the X's right. and O's. It's mental as much as it is physical. For and sure. I think hopefully your players will look back and say, you know, maybe he made me run too much, but he got the best out of me. Yeah, yeah, they they know I make them run, I be on them heavy, but they know I I care about them the most. And I think that's the biggest thing with coaching, especially when you're coming in. Your players got to know that you really care about them. And, when you care about them, they'll they'll run through a wall for you. They'll run sprints because they know that I got their their best interest at heart. And when I got the when you got the best interest in the kids' heart, they don't they don't mind that thing. Those things. Truer words have never been said. We are speaking with Jr. Bremer, NBA vet, head coach now, who's gotten a technical. Right. Jr. We we like to get our guests out of here with a little trade triple play rapid fire, some this or that questions. You probably haven't been asked some of these before. You game? Okay. I'm ready. Shoot. All right. Would you rather win a championship as a player or as a coach? Player. Okay. I love it. Be selfish. Yeah. Favorite muscle group to work at the gym? Chest. Okay. All right. What 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 uh what's the max on uh bench press? Uh, it used to be in the 300s. Now I don't I don't know what it is. Now I I do more uh reps than just single set maxes. I mean, at 300 max, I'll take it. Yeah. Would you rather drop 40 in a game or have a triple-double? Triple-double. Okay. All right. Would you rather find $10 on the ground or find all your missing socks? <laughs> $10 on the ground because I'm never going to find all the missing socks that match. I mean, it's a sock. there's got to be like a sock fairy, right? For sure. You got, you got, I probably have about five socks that I find all the time and none of them match. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. And I'm with you. There is an adrenaline rush about finding money on the ground. <laughs> Would you rather sit in wet paint and not know about it or step in gum with your bare foot? Oh, sit in wet paint and not know about it. As, at least you won't know about it, right? Right, right. Uh, this is this, how you know I'll do. I did a little stalking on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can own any property in Monopoly that isn't Park Place or Boardwalk. What are you picking? Mm. Mediterranean and Baltic. Oh, I like the early ones. Yeah, yeah. Get them as soon as you come past go. You gotta, you gotta pass me all the time. Slow I'm and a, steady. I'm a Marvin Gardens kind of guy. I like that yellow corner right yeah, there. Yeah, that's expensive. That 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 Mediterranean Baltic. You can you can uh you can pay for that on one pass and a go and you just collect every single time. That that Marvin Gardens. You got to add up to get those hotels on that. Yeah, I mean, you gotta spend money to make money, right? We got a we got a couple more here. Would you rather eat an entire bag of hot dogs or hot dog buns? Jr., can you hear me? 
dogs, but not your froze. Okay. I did you hear my my uh my recent one? Would you rather eat an entire bag of hot dogs or hot dog buns? Hot dogs or hot dog buns? Hot dogs. I, it's got protein, right? Flavor. Yeah, yeah. I need some type of flavor or something. All right. All right. We got three more left. Would you rather participate right. in a water balloon fight or a snowball fight? Water balloon. Means okay. Warm All right. All right. I, I'm with you. I'm more warm mm -hmm. weather than cold weather. Would you rather encounter dinosaurs or aliens? Dinosaurs. Okay. Favorite dinosaur you have? Tyrannosaurus Rex. There you go. The the classic. Yeah. All right. La last one here. I leave you open for 10 three-pointers, but you have to shoot right-handed. How many are you making? Six. Six out of 10 with the offhand. Six out of 10. I'm really right-handed. I just shoot with my left. So. Wait. That's a little. How did we? How did I not know this? Twenty-five minutes into the interview. No, nobody knows it. That was my little secret my whole career. Everybody saying forcing right, forcing right, but I'm really right-handed. I just only thing I do with my left hand is jump shot and, and throw the ball. But I eat with my right. I write with my right. Everything is with my right. So we have to do a follow-up with this next time you have practice. You got to shoot six three-pointers with your right hand and record it so we can see if you hit six or not. Well, Jr., we really appreciate you. <laughs> we really appreciate you joining us. Um, is there anything that you want to plug to our audience? Um, you know, anything you're working on, where they can find your coaching highlights, where they can find your playing highlights, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, they, they can come look at uh, look at my my IG. That's jbrim22. They can follow me on that and check me out and see some things I got going on with uh, with uh, my foundation. And I'm having an invitation here in Ohio from uh, Everything League. That's actually my foundation right there. ELB. Those are those, everything leads back. Everything went full circle for me from from starting in Heights and I'm coming back to Heights. And those are actually my initials as well, Ernest and L. Brim, So. I think that's kind of cool and follow that. Yeah. And you can also follow him on Twitter at jbrem 22 We got to get his follower count up because he posts a lot of good stuff on both socials. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come check me out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in. We 